Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Warning, this week's Drabblecast has some pretty suggestive language in it. Suggestive of what? Yeah, I mean, good question. Let's just say you probably don't want your kids tuning into this one. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 445. The Drabblecast is a weekly audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. This week on the Drabblecast, we wrap up Women and Aliens Month in style by bringing you a Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, basically any kind of day you need it to be story by one of my all-time favorite authors, James Tiptree Jr. James Tiptree? But Norm, you said this was for Women and Aliens Month. Why, yes I did, skeptic, southern-accented rhetorical me. James Tiptree was the pen name for one of the most interesting people and greatest SF writers you've probably never heard of. Or probably have. I don't know. James Tiptree Jr. was the pseudonym of Alice B. Sheldon, 1915-1987, who before turning to writing had been a successful artist, a newspaper art critic, a World War II counterintelligence officer, a chicken farmer, a CIA agent, and a research psychologist. After earning her Ph.D. in psychology in 1967, she started writing science fiction short stories, using a pseudonym to protect her new academic career, and a male name to fit in better at the magazines. As Tiptree, she published two novels and eight collections of fantastic short stories. She won two Hugo Awards, three Nebula Awards, and one World Fantasy Award. Love is the Plan, the Plan is Death first appeared in the anthology The Alien Condition, edited by Stephen Golden, and won the Nebula Award for Best Short Story in 1973. Tiptree, man, came out of nowhere in 1967 and blew up the science fiction scene. For nearly ten years, this chick carried on intimate correspondences with Philip K. Dick, Harlan Ellison, Ursula K. Le Guin, and no one knew who she was. There was speculation, based partially on the themes in her stories, that maybe Tiptree might be female for a while. Robert Silverberg wrote, It's been suggested that Tiptree is female, a theory that I find absurd, for there is to me something ineluctably masculine about Tiptree's writing. He compared her to Hemingway, and in fact found Tiptree to be superior in masculinity. Quote, once she knew that the gig was up and it was about to get out to the public, this is how she told her longtime friend and correspondent Ursula K. Le Guin. Imagine getting this letter from a friend one day. Listen, I never wrote you anything but the exact truth. There was no calculation or intent to deceive, other than the signature, which over the past eight years became just another nickname. Everything else was just plain me. But thing is, I'm a 61-year-old woman named Alice Sheldon, nicknamed Allie, solitary by nature, but married for 37 years to a very nice man, considerably older, who doesn't read my stuff all that much, but is glad I like writing. Anyways, how are you? How do we reconcile with honesty, she once said in an interview with a young, shy, 21-year-old Jeffrey Smith, editor of a fanzine back in 1970, another person attempting to squeeze out any information they could about the mysterious, reclusive author that everyone in SF was talking about. How about telling us what you are willing to let us know about you, was the question. Who is honest, she continued. You know as well as I do, we all go around in disguise. The halo stuffed in the pocket, the cloven hoof awkward in the show, the x-ray eye blinking behind thick lenses, the two midgets dressed as one tall man, the pirate in a housewife's smock. 
So who the fuck cares whether the mask is one of two millimeters thick? Damn, she could have been a politician too? <laughs> oh, skeptical Southern rhetorical norm. What are we gonna do with you? Anyways, we hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, we bring you Love is the Plan, The Plan is Death by James Tiptree Jr. Remembering. Do you hear, my little red? Hold me softly. The cold grows. I remember. I am hugely black and hopeful. I bounce on six legs along the mountains in the new warm. Sing the changer. Sing the stranger. Will the changes change forever? All my hums have words now. Another change. Eagerly, I bound on sunward, following the tiny thrill in the air. The forests have been shrinking again. Then I see, it is me. Me, myself, Mogadit. I have grown bigger, more in the winter cold. I astonish myself, Mogadit the small. Excitement. Enticement, shrilling from the sun side of the world. I come. The sun is changing again, too. Sun is walking in the night. Sun is walking back to summer in the warming of the light. Warm is me, Mogadit myself. Forget the bad time winter. Memory quakes me. The old one. I stop, pluck up a tree. So much I wanted to ask the old one. No time. Cold. Tree goes end over end down cliff. I watch the fat climbers tumble out. Not hungry. The old one warned me of the cold. I didn't believe him. I moved on, grieving. Old one told you, the cold, the cold will hold you. Chill cold, kill cold. In the cold I killed you. But it's warm now, all different. I'm Mogadit again. I bound over a hill and see my brother Frim. At first I don't know him. A big black old one, I think. And in the warm we can speak. I surge toward him, bashing trees. The big black is crouched over a ravine, peering down. Black back has shiny ripples, like... It is Frim. Frim I hunted for. Frim run away. But he's so big now. Giant Frim. A stranger. A changer. Frim! He doesn't hear me. All his eye turrets are under the trees. His end is sticking up, odd-like, all a-tremble. What's he hunting? Frim, it's me, Mogadit. But he only quivers his legs. I see his spurs pushing out. What a fool, Frim. I remind myself how timid he is. I try to move gently. When I get closer, I'm astonished again. I'm bigger than he is now changes. I can see right over his shoulder into the ravine. Hot, yellow-green in there, a little glade all lit with sun. I bend my eyes to see what Frim is after, and all astonishments blow up the world. I see you. I saw you. I will always see you, dancing in the green fire, my tiny red star, so bright, so small, so perfect, so fierce. I knew you, oh yes, I knew you in that first instant, my dawnberry, my scarlet minikin, red, a tiny baby red one, smaller than my smallest eye, and so brave. The old one said it, red is the color of love. 
I see you swat at a hopper twice your size. My eyes bulge as you leap after it and go rolling, shrilling, Lily, Lily, in baby wrath. Oh, my mighty hunter, you don't know someone is looking right into your tender little love fur. Oh, yes, palest pink it is, just brushed with rose. My jaws spurt. The world flashes and reels. And then Frim, poor fool, feels me behind him and rears up. But what a Frim! His throat sacks are ballooning purple-black. His plates are engorged like the mother of the storm clouds, glittering, rattling his spurs. His tail booms. It's mine, he bellows. I can hardly understand him. He jumps straight at me. Stop, Frim, stop! I cry, dodging away, bewildered. It's warm. How can Frim be wild, kill wild? Brother Frim, I call gently, soothingly, but something is badly wrong. My voice is bellowing too. Yes, in the warm, and, and I want only to calm him. I am full of love. But the kill roar is rushing through me. I too am swelling, rattling, and booming, invincible. To crush, to rend. Oh, I am ashamed. I came to myself in the wreckage of Frim, Frim pieces everywhere, myself sodden with Frim. But I did not eat him, I did not. Should I take joy in that? Did I defy the plan? But my throat was closed, not because it was Frim, but because of darling you. You! Where are you? The glade is empty. Oh, fearful fear, I've frightened you. You've run away. I forget, Frim. I forget everything but you, my heart meets, my precious tiny red. I smash trees. I uproot rocks. I tear the ravine open. Oh, where are you hiding? Suddenly I have a new fear. Has my wild search harmed you? I force myself calm. I begin questing, circling, ever wider over the trees, moving cloud-silent, thrusting my eyes and ears down into every glade. A new humming fills my throat. Ooh, ooh-ah, rum-a-loo-ee-loo, I moan, hunting, hunting for you. Once I glimpse a black bigness far away, and I'm suddenly up at my full height, roaring. Attack the black. Was it another brother? I would slay him. But the stranger is already vanishing. I roar again. No, it roars, me, the new power of black. Yet deep inside, myself, Mogadit, is watching, fearing. Attack the black, even in the warm. Is there no safety? Are we truly like the fat climbers? But at the same time, it feels... It feels right, good, sweet is the plan. I give myself up to seeking you, my new song, longing, ooh-la, and luli-rum-a-rum-a-loo. And you answered, you did, so tiny you, hidden under a leaf, shrilling, lee-li-li, trilling, thrilling, half-mocking, already imperious. Oh, how I whirl. I crash, I try to look under my feet, stop frozen in horror of squishing the lily, the lee, rocking and longing, moaning Mogadit. And you came out, you did, my adorable fire might, threatening me. When I see your little hunting claws upraised, my whole gut melts, it floods me. I am all tender jelly, tender, oh tender fierce like a mother, I think. Isn't that how a mother feels? My jaws are sluicing juice that isn't hunger juice. I'm choking with fear of frightening you or bruising your tininess. I ache to grip and knead you, to eat you in one gulp, in a thousand nibbles. Oh, the power of red. The old one said it. Now I feel my special hands, my tender hands I always carry hidden. Now they come swelling out, come crashing toward my head. What? What? 
My secret hands began to knead and roll the stuff that's dripping from my jaws. Ah, oh, that arouses you too, my redling, doesn't it? Yes, yes, I feel torment. I feel your sly excitement, how your body remembers even now our love dawn, our very first moments of Mogadit Lili. Before I knew you yourself, before you knew me, it began then, my heartlet, our love-knowing began in that very first instant when your Mogadit stared down at you like a monster bursting. I saw how new you were, how helpless. Yes, even while I loomed over you, marveling, even while my secret hands drew and spun your fate, even then it came to me in pity that long ago, last year when I was a child, I saw other little red ones among my brothers before our mother drove them away. I was only a foolish baby then. I didn't understand. I thought they'd grown strange and silly in their redness, and mother did well to turn them out. Oh, stupid Mogadid. But now I saw you, my flamelet, and I understood. You were only that day cast out by your mother. Never had you felt the terrors of a night alone in the world. You couldn't imagine that such a monster as Frim was hunting you. Oh, my ruby nestling, my baby red, never, I vowed it, never would I leave you. And have I not kept that vow? Never. I, Mogadit, would be your mother. Great is the plan. But I, I was greater. All I learned of hunting in my lonely year, to drift like the air, to leap, to grip so delicately, all these learnings became for you not to bruise the smallest portion of your body. Oh, yes, I captured you whole in all your tiny perfection, though you sizzled and spat and fought me like a sunspark that you are. And then, and then I began to... Oh, terror, delight, shame. How can I speak such a beautiful secret? The plan took me as a mother guides her child, and with my special hands I began to... I began to bind you up. Oh, yes, my special hands that had no use, now all unfurled and engorged and alive, never stopped the working in the strong juice of my jaws. They began to bind you, passing over and around and beneath you, every moment piercing me with fear and joy. I wound among your darling little limbs into the inmost delicate recesses, gently swathing and soothing you, winding and binding until you became a shining jewel. Mine. But you responded. I know that now. We know it. Oh, yes, and in our fierce struggles, shyly, you helped me. Always at the end, each strand fell sweetly into place, winding you, binding you, loving Lily Lou. How our bodies moved in our first weaving song. I feel it even now. I melt with excitement. How I wove this silk about you, tying each tiny limb, making you perfectly helpless. How fearlessly you gazed up at me, your terrifying captor. You, you were never frightened, as I am not frightened now. Isn't it strange, my loveling, this sweetness that floods our bodies when we yield to the plan? Great is the plan. Fear it. Fight it. But hold the sweetness yet. Sweetly began our love time, when first I became your new true mother, never to cast you out. How I fed you and caressed and tended and fondled you. What a responsibility it is to be a mother. Anxiously I carried you furled in my secret arms. Savagely I drove off all intruders, even the harmless banlings in the grass, in fear of every moment you might be stifled or crushed. 
And all the warm nights long, how I cared for your helpless little body, carefully releasing each infant limb, flexing and stretching it, cleaning every scarlet morsel of you with my giant tongue, nibbling your baby claws with my terrible teeth, reveling in your baby hum, pretending to devour you while you shrieked with glee. Lee, Lily, love, Lily, Lee. But the greatest joy of all was when we spoke. We spoke together, we two. We communed, we shared, we poured ourselves into one another. Love how we stammered and stumbled at the first, you in the strange mother tongue and I in mine. How we blended our singing wordlessly and then with words until more and more we came to see each other through each other's eyes, to hear, to taste the world of each other until I became Lililu and you became Mogadit, and finally we together became a new thing. Oh, love, are we the first? Have others loved their whole selves? Oh, sad thinking, that lovers before us have left no trace. Remember us. Will you remember, my adored, though Mogadit has spoiled everything and the cold grows? If only I could hear you speak once more, my red my innocent one. You are remembering. Your body tells me you remember even now. Softly, hold me softly yet. Hear your Mogadit. You told me how it was being you, yourself, tiny redling, of your mother, your dreams, your baby joys and fears. And I told you mine and all my learnings in the world since the day when my own mother. Hear me, my heartmate. Time runs away. On the last day of my childhood, my mother called us all under her. Sons, sons, why did her dear voice creak so? My brothers came in slowly, fearfully from the summer green. But I, small Mogadit, I climb eagerly under the great arch of her body, seeking the golden mother fur. Right into her warm cave I come, where her mother eyes are glowing, the cave that sheltered us so strongly all of our lives, as I shelter you, my dawnflower. I long to touch her, to hear her speak, to sing to us again. Her mother fur troubles me, it's tattered and drab. Shyly I press against one of her food glands. It feels dry, but a glow sparks in her mother eye. Mother, I whisper, it's me, Mogadit. Sons, her voice rumbles through her armor. My big brothers huddle by her legs, peering back at the sunlight. They look so funny, shedding half gold, half black. I'm afraid, whimpers my brother Frim nearby. Like me, Frim still has his golden baby fur. Mother is speaking again, but her voice booms so I can hardly understand. Winter, winter, I say. After the warm comes the cold. The cold winter before the warm comes again, comes. Frim whimpers louder. I cuff him. What's wrong? Why is her loving voice so hoarse and strange? She always hummed to us so tenderly. We nestled in her warm mother fur, sucking the lovely mother juices, rocking to her steady, walking song. E muli muli, e muli muli, while far below the earth rolled by. Oh, yes, and how we held our breaths and squealed when she began her mighty hunt. Tan, tan, dear, hatan, hatan. How we clung in the thrilling climax when she plunged upon her prey and we heard the crunching, the tearing, the gurgling in her body that meant soon her food glands would be richly full. Suddenly, I see a black streak down below. A big brother is running away. Mother's booming voice breaks off, her great body tenses, her plates crash. Mother roars. Running, running, screaming down below, I burrow up into her fur. I'm flung about as she leaps. Out! Go out! She bellows. Her terrible hunting limbs crash down. She roars without words, shuddering, jolting. When I dare to peek out, I see the others have all fled. All except for one. 
A black body is lying under Mother's claws. It's my brother, Sesso. But Mother is tearing him, is eating him. I watch in horror. Sesso, she cared for so proudly, so tenderly. I sob, burrow my head in her fur. But the beautiful fur is coming loose in my hands. Her golden mother fur is dying. I cling desperately, trying not to hear the crunches, the gulps and gurgling. The world is ending. All is terrible. And yet, my fireberry, even then I almost understood. Great is the plan. Presently, Mother stops feeding and begins to move. The rocky ground jolts by far below. Her stride is not smooth, but jerks me. Even her deep hum is strange. On, on, alone, ever alone, and on. The rumbling ceases. Silence. Mother is resting. Mother, I whisper. Mother, it's Mogadit. I'm here. Her stomach plates contract. A belch reverberates in her vaults. Go, she groans. Go. Too late. Mother is no more. I don't want to leave you. Why must I go, mother? I wail. Speak to me. I keen my baby hum. Deet, deet, tiki-taka, deet. Hoping mother will answer crooning deep. Broom, broomaloo, bruin. Now I see one huge mother eye glowing faintly, but she only makes a grating sound. Too late. No more. The winter. I did speak before. Go. Tell me about outside, mother, I plead. Another groan or cough nearly shakes me from my perch, but when she speaks again, her voice sounds gentler. Talk, she grumbles. Talk, talk, talk. You are a strange son. Talk like your father. What's that, mother? What is a father? She belches again. Always talk. The winters grow, he said. Oh, yes, tell them the winters grow. So I did, late. Winter I spoke, cold. Her voice booms. No more, too late. Outside I hear her armor rattle and clank. Mother, speak to me. Go! Her belly plates crash around me. I jump for another nest of fur, but it comes loose in my grip. Wailing, I save myself by hanging on to one of her great walking limbs. It is rigid, thrumming like rock. Go! she roars. Her mother eyes are shriveling, dead. I panic, scramble down. Everything is vibrating, resonating around me. Mother's holding back a storm of rage. I leap for the ground. I rush, diving into a crevice. I wiggle and burrow under the fearful bellowing and clinging that rains on me from above. Into the rocks I go, with the hunting claws of mother crashing behind me. Oh, my redling, my tiny little redling, never have you known such a night. Those dreadful hours hiding from the monster that had been my loving mother. I saw her once more. When dawn came, I clambered up a ledge and peered through the mist. It was warm then. The mists were warm. I knew what mothers looked like. We had glimpses of huge, horned, dark shapes before our mother hooted us under her. Oh, yes, and then would come mother's earth-shaking challenge and the strange mother's answering roar, and we'd cling tight, feeling her surge of kill fury, buffeted, deafened, battered, while our mother charged and struck. And once, while our mother fed, I peeped out and saw a strange baby squealing in the remnants on the ground below. But now it was my own dear mother I saw lurching away through the mists, that great rusty gray hulk so horned and bossed that only her hunting eyes showed above her armor, swiveling mindlessly, questing for anything that moved. She crashed her way across the mountains, and as she went she thrummed a new harsh song. Cold, cold ice and lone, ice and cold and end. I never saw her again.
When the sun rose, I saw that the gold fur was peeling from my shiny black. All by itself, my hunting limb flashed out and knocked a hopper right into my jaws. You see, my berry, how much larger and stronger I was than you when Mother sent us away. That also is the plan, for you were not yet born. I had to live on while the warm turned to cold and while the winter passed to warm again before you would be waiting. I had to grow and learn, to learn, my Lelou. That is important. Only we black ones have time to learn. The old one said it. Such small learnings at first, to drink the flat water stuff without choking, to catch the shiny flying things that bite, and to watch the storm clouds and the moving of the sun, and the nights and the soft things that moved on the trees, and the bushes that kept shrinking, shrinking. Only it was me, Mogadit, growing larger. Oh, yes, and the day when I could knock down a fat climber from its vine. But all these learnings were easy. The plan in my body guided me. It guides me now, Lelou. Even now it would give me peace and joy if I yielded to it. But I will not. I will remember to the end. I will speak to the end. I will speak the big learnings. How I saw, though I was so busy catching and eating more, more, always more, I saw all things were changing, changing. The bushes changed their buds to berries, the fat climbers changed their colors, even the sun changed, and the hills. And I saw all things were together with others of their kind, but only me, Mogadit. I was alone. I went marching through the valleys in my shiny new black, humming my new song, Tara-Tara, Tara-Tan. Once I glimpsed my brother Frim, and I called him, but he ran like the wind. And when I went to the next valley, I found the trees all smashed down, and in the distance I saw a black one like me, only many times bigger, huge, almost as big as mother, sleek and glossy new. I would have called, but he reared up and saw me, and roared so terribly that I too fled like the wind to empty mountains. And so I learned, my redling, how we are alone even though my heart was full of love, and I wandered, puzzling and eating ever more and more. I saw the trails. They meant nothing to me then, but I began to learn the important thing, the cold. You know it, my little red. How in the warm days I am me, myself, Mogadit, ever growing, ever learning. In the warm we think, we speak, we love. We make our own plan. Oh, did we not, my love mate? But in the cold, in the night, for the nights were growing colder. In the cold night I was, what? Not Mogadit. Not Mogadit thinking, not me myself, only something that lives, acts without thought, helpless Mogadit. In the cold is only the plan. I almost thought it. And then one day the night chill lingered and lingered, and the sun was hidden in the mists, and I found myself going up the trails. The trails are a part of the plan too, my redling. The trails are of winter. There we must go, all of us, we blacks. When the cold grows stronger, the plan calls us upward. Upward, we begin to drift up the trails, up along the ridges to the cold, the night side of the mountains, up beyond the forests where the trees grow scant and turn to dead stone wood. So the plan drew me, and I followed, only half aware. Sometimes I came into warmer sunlight, where I could stop and feed and try to think, but the cold fogs rose again, and I went on, on and up. I began to catch sight of others like me, far along the mountain flank, moving steadily up. They didn't rear or roar when they saw me. I didn't call to them. Each one alone we climbed on toward the caves, unthinking, blind. And so I would have gone, too. But then the greatest thing happened. Oh no, my Lalu, not the greatest. The greatest of all is you, of course. It will always be you. My precious sunlight, my red love baby. Don't be angry. Hold me softly. 
I must say our big learning. Hear your Mogadit now. Hear and remember. In the sun's last warm, I found him, the old one. A terrible sight, so maimed and damaged, parts rotting and gone. I stared, thinking him dead. Suddenly his head rolled feebly and a croak came out. Young one? An eye opened in his festering head, a flyer pecked at it. Young one, wait. And I understood him. We spoke, the old one and I, old to young we shared. No old ones, he creaked. Never to speak, we blacks. Never. It is not the plan. Plan? I asked, half knowing. What is the plan? A beauty, he whispers. In the warm, a beauty in the air. I followed, but another black one saw me and we fought. And I was damaged. But still the plan made me follow until I was crushed and torn and dead. But I lived, and the plan let me go, and I I crawled here to wait and to share. But his head sags. Quickly I snatch a flyer from the air and push it to his torn jaws. Old one, what is the plan? He swallows painfully, his one eye holding mine. In us, he says, thicker. In us, moving in us, all things necessary for life. You've seen. When the baby is golden, the mother cherishes all winter long. But when it turns red or black, she drives it away. Was it not so? Yes, but that's the plan. Always the plan. Gold is the color of mother care, but black is the color of rage. Attack the black. Black is to kill. Even a mother, even her own baby, she cannot defy the plan. Hear me, young one. I hear. I have seen. I answer. But what is red? Red, he groans. Red is the color of love. No, I say, stupid Mogadit, I know love, love is gold. The old one's eye turns from me. Love, he sighs, when the beauty comes in the air you will see. He falls silent, I fear he's dying, but what can I do? We stay silent there together in the last misty sunwarm. Dimly on the slopes I can see other black ones, like myself, drifting steadily upward on their own. Old one, where do we go? You go to the caves of winter. That is the plan. Winter, yes, the cold, mother told us. And after the cold winter comes the warm. I remember, the winter will pass, won't it? Why did she say the winters grow? Teach me, old one, what is a father? Father, a word I don't know. But wait, his mangled head turns towards me. The winters grow. Your mother said this. Oh, cold, oh, lonely, he groans. A big learning she gave you. This learning I fear to think. His eye rolls, glaring. I am frightened inside. Look around, young one, those stony dead woods, dead shells of trees that grow in warm valleys. Why are they here? The cold has killed them. No living tree grows here now. Think, young one. I look, and it's true. It is a warm forest killed to stone. Once it was warm here. Once it was like the valleys, but the cold has grown stronger. The winter grows, do you see? And the warm grows less and less. But the warm is life. The warm is me, myself. Yes, in the warm we think, we learn. In the cold is only the plan. In the cold we are blind, waiting here. I thought, was there a time when it was warm once? Did we come here, we blacks, in the warm, to speak, to share? Oh, young one of fearful thinking, does our time of learning grow shorter, shorter? Where will it end? Will the winters grow until we can learn nothing but only live blindly in the plan, like the silly fat climbers who sing but do not speak? 
His words fill me with cold fear. Such a terrible learning. No, we will not. We must. We must hold the warm. Hold the warm. He twists painfully to stare at me. Hold the warm. A great thinking, yes, but how? How? Soon it will be too cold to think, even here. The warm will come again, I tell him. Then we must learn a way to hold it, you and I. His head lolls. No, when the warm comes, I will not be here, and you will be too busy for thinking, young one. I will help you. I will carry you to the caves. In the caves, he gasps. In each cave there are two black ones, just like yourself. One is living, waiting mindless for the winter to pass, and while he waits, he eats. He eats the other. That is how he lives. That is the plan. As you will eat me, my youngling. No, I cry in horror. I will never harm you. When the cold comes, you will see, he whispers. Great is the plan. No, no, you are wrong. I will break the plan, I shout. A cold wind is blowing from the summit. The sun dies. Never will I harm you, I bellow. You are wrong to say so. My scale plates are rising. My tail begins to pound. Through the mists I hear his gasps. I recall dragging a heavy black thing to my cave. Chill cold, kill cold. In the cold I killed you. Lily Lou, he did not resist. Great is the plan. He accepted all. Perhaps he even felt a strange joy, as I feel now. In the plan is joy. But if the plan is wrong, the winters grow. Do the fat climbers have their plan, too? A hard thinking. How we tried, my redling. All the long, warm days I explained it to you, over and over, how the winter would come and change us if we did not hold the warm. You understood. You share. You understand me now, my precious flame. Though you can't speak, I feel your sharing love. Softly. We made our preparations, our own plan. Even in the highest heat we made our plan against the cold. Have other lovers done so? How I searched you, carried you, my cherry bud. I crossed whole mountain ranges, following the sun until we found this warmest of warm valleys on the sunward side. Surely the cold would be weak here, I thought. How could they reach us here, the cold fogs, the icy winds that froze my inner me and drew me up through trails into the dead caves of winter? This time I would defy. This time I have you. Don't take me there, my Mogadit, you begged, fearful of the strangeness. Never, my Lililu, never I vow it. Am I not your mother, little redness? But you will change. The cold will make you forget. Is it not the plan? We will break the plan, Lily. See, you are growing larger, heavier, my fireberry, and always more beautiful. Soon I will not be able to carry you so easily. I could never carry you to the cold trails, and I will never leave you. But you are so big, Mogadit. When the change comes, you will forget. You'll drag me to the cold. Never. Your Mogadit has a deeper plan. When the mists start, I will take you to the farthest, warmest cranny of this cave, and there I will spin a wall so you will never, never be pulled out, and I will never, never leave you. Even the plan cannot draw Mogadit from Lililu. But you will have to go hunting for food, and the cold will take you then, and you will forget me and follow the cold love of winter and leave me there to die. Perhaps that is the plan. Oh, no. No, my precious redling, don't grieve, don't cry, hear your Mogadit's plan. From now on, I'll hunt twice as hard. I'll fill this cave to the top. I will fill it with food now so I can stay by you all winter. And so I did, didn't I, my Lily? Silly Mogadit, how I hunted, how I brought lizards, hoppers, fat climbers, and banlings by the score. What a fool! For of course they rotted there in the heat, and the heaps turned green and slimy. But still good tasting, eh, my berry? Oh, beautiful you became, my jewel of redness, so bursting fat and shiny full, but still my tiny one, my sun spark, 
Each night after I fed you, I would part the silk, fondling your head, your eyes, your tender ears, trembling with excitement for the delicious moment when I would release your first scarlet limb to caress and exercise it and press it to my pulsing throat sacs. Sometimes I would unbind two together for the sheer joy of seeing you move. And each night it took longer. Each morning I had to make more silk to bind you. How proud I was, my Lily, my Lily Lou. That was when my greatest thinking came. As I was weaving you so tenderly into your shining cocoon, I thought, why not bind up living fat climbers, pen them alive so their flesh will stay sweet and they will serve us through the winter? That was a great thinking, Lily Lou, and I did this, and it was good. Fat climbers and plenty I walled in a little tunnel, and many, many other things as well, while the sun walked back toward winter and the shadows grew and grew. Fat climbers and banlings and all the tasty creatures and, and even, oh, clever Mogadit, all manner of leaves and barks and stuff for them to eat. We've broken the plan for sure, my Lily Red. The fat climbers are eating the twigs and bark. The banlings are eating juice from the wood. The great runners are munching grass, and we will eat them all. And of course, oh, you remember how it began then, our deepest love. For when I uncovered you one night with the first hint of cold, I saw that you had changed. Shall I say it? Your secret fur. Your mother fur. Always I had cleaned you there, tenderly, but without difficulty to restrain myself. But on this night, when I parted the silk strands with my huge claws, what new delights met my eyes. No longer pink and pale, but fiery red, red, scarlet blazed like the reddest sunrise, and golden-tipped, swollen, curling, and dewy. Oh, commanding me to expose you, all of you, and how your tender eyes melted me, and your breath musky sweet, and your limbs warm and heavy in my grasp, while I ripped away the last strands, dazed with bliss as you slowly stretched, I knew then, we knew, that the love we felt before was only a beginning." My hunting limbs fell at my sides, and my special hands, my weaving hands, grew, filled with new, almost painful life. I could not speak, my throat sacks were filling, and my love hands rose up by themselves, pressing ecstatically while my eyes bent closer to your glorious red. But suddenly the me, myself, Mogadit, awoke. I jumped back. Lily! What's happening to us? Oh, Mogadit, I love you. Don't go away. What is it, Lily Lou? Is it the plan? I don't care. Mogadit, don't you love me? I... I fear to harm you. You're so tiny. I am your mother. No, Mogadit, look, I am as big as you are. Don't be afraid. I drew back, hard, and tried to look calmly. True, my redling, you have grown, but your limbs are so new, so tender, I can't look. Averting my eyes, I began to spin a screen of silk to shut away your maddening redness. We must wait, Lily Lou. We must go on as before. I don't know what this strange urging means. I fear it will bring you harm. Yes, Mogadit, we will wait. And so we waited, and each night it grew harder. We tried to be as before, to be happy, Lily Mogadit, and each night as I caressed your glowing limbs that seemed to offer themselves to me as I swathed and unswathed them, the urge rose hotter, more strong, to unveil you wholly. Mornings when I went to harvest the fat climbers, there was a whiteness on their fur, and the banling ceased to move. The sun sank even lower, paler, and the cold mists hung above us, reaching down. Soon I dared not leave the cave. I stayed all day by your silken wall, humming mother-like, Brumaloo, Muli Muli Lilulu, strong Mogadit. We'll wait, Fireling. We will not yield to the plan. Aren't we happier than all the others, here with our love, in our warm cave? Oh yes, Mogadit. 
I'm myself now. I'm strong. I'll make my own plan. I will not look at you until... until the warm, until the sun comes back. Yes, Mogadit. Mogadit, my limbs are cramped. Oh, my precious, wait, see, I am opening the silk very carefully. I will not look, I won't. Mogadit, don't you love me? Lily Lou, oh, my glorious one, I fear, I fear. Look, Mogadit, see how big I am, how strong. Oh, Redling, my, my hands, what are they doing to you? For with my special hands I was pressing, pressing the hot juices from my throat sacks, and tenderly, tenderly parting your sweet mother fur, and placing my gift within your secret place. And as I did this, our eyes entwined, and our limbs made a wreath. My darling, do I hurt you? Oh no, Mogadit, oh no. Outside the world grew colder yet, and the fat climber ceased to eat, and the banlings lay still and began to stink. But still we held the warmth deep in our cave, and still I fed my beloved on the last of our food. And every night our new ritual of love became freer, richer, though I compelled myself to hide all but a portion of your sweet body. But each dawn it grew harder. Mogadit, why do you not bind me any more? I am afraid. A moment, Lily, a moment. I must caress you once more. I am afraid, Mogadit. Cease now and bind me. But why, my lovekin? Why must I hide you? Is this not some foolish part of the plan? I, I don't know. I feel so strange. Mogadit, I'm changing. You grow more glorious every moment, my lily, my own. Let me look at you. It is wrong to bind you away. No, Mogadit, no. But I would not listen, would I? Oh, foolish Mogadit, who thought to be your mother, great is the plan. I did not listen. I did not bind you up. No, I ripped them away, the strong silk strands. Mad with love, I slashed them at once, rushing each limb to the next until all of your glorious body lay exposed. At last, I saw you whole. Oh, Lily Lou, greatest of mothers. It was not I who was your mother. You were mine. Shining embossed you lay, your armor newly grown, your mighty hunting limbs thicker than my head. What I had created, you, a super-mother, a mother such as none had ever seen. Stupefied with delight, I gazed, and your huge hunting limb came out and seized me. Great is the plan. I felt only joy as your jaws took me, as I feel it now. And so we end, my Lily Lou, my Redling, for your babies are swelling through your mother fur, and your Mogadit can speak no longer. I am nearly devoured. The cold grows. It grows, and your mother eyes are growing and glowing, and soon you will be alone with our children, and the warm will come again. Will you remember me, my heartmate? Will you remember and tell them? Tell them of the cold, Lily Lou. Tell them of our love. Tell them the winters grow. To say I love you There are many ways To say I care about you Many ways Many ways Many ways To say I love you 
There's the cooking way to say I love you. There's the cooking something someone really likes to eat. The cooking way, the cooking way, the cooking way to say I love you. There's the eating way to say I love you. There's the eating something someone made especially. The eating way, the eating way, the eating way to say I love you. And that was our story. Hope you enjoyed it. Is that a giant hunting claw in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? Oh, both? Uh, okay, well, <laughs> that's weird. Well, hey, at least it's not your penis, though. Because <laughs> that's that's what the joke's supposed to... You know, I'm still not really stoked about where things stand, though. Lots to unpack in that tale, huh? That's Tip Tree for you. And here's a little more to pull out of that big old forbidden silk suitcase. While exploring heavy subject matter like human evolution, love, morality, sex, gender, cave cannibalism, Tiptree wanted to write the main protagonist's act with a voice that spoke in both a familiar way and one according to its primitive perceptions. And so she mimicked the overripe, heavily symbolic prose of pornography back in the 1920s. Oh, my beautiful jewel of redness, my tender Dawn Berry, my sunspark. Is it hot in here, or is it just the Prohibition era? That's right, aside from being gross, horrific, erotic, poignant, and utterly bizarre, it was also satirical. Because why not? I mean, who the fuck cares if the mask is one millimeter thick or two? What matters most is only that you know yourself. Just ask Mogadit. Because not to know oneself is to remain the slave of one's animal nature. Fitzgerald wrote in a little sexy piece of softcore called The Great Gatsby, So we beat boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. And it makes me think about the seasons in this story, the many trails of the old ones going up in the mountains in the snow, like salmon fighting their way upstream. If salmon had legs, and if water worked like snow does, and, and just like a lot of other things, you, knew, you know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you don't. My precious little love scaby. And what about us, boring old pink and clawless homo sapiens? Well, I won't comment on that, because you can't do it better than Jeff Buckley in his song, Lover, You Should Have Come Over. You know that one? Yada. Stick around after the outro. Gosh, if a song ever fit a story. All right, you guys know what time it is. Let's close things out this week per usual with our 100-character story by our 100-character story winner this week, Dinosaur Monkey. Here goes. Ash spat a tooth out of his bloodied mouth. The ash in the mirror grinned maniacally before punching him in the jaw again. One hundred character stories, we call them twabbles. We have a section in our discussion forums at forums.drabblecast.org. We post the winners early each week on social media at Drabblecast. Special thanks to our kick-ass episode artist this week, Annika Kristen. Annika is an artist and writer of science fiction and an amateur arianologist. She lives in the dead center of South Africa with her spawn, spouse, cat, and tarantulas. <laughs> I almost read that as spouse cat at first and was about to say, they let you marry your cat down in South Africa? Had me about calling the vet and getting a ring size. Anyways, great job, Annika. Looks fantastic. Are you an artist out there? You want to contribute your talents to the podcast by doing some episode cover art? Let us know. Write our art director, Bo at Drabblecast.org. Remember, the Drabblecast is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. Write us a review on iTunes. Tell a friend. Spread the weird. Do remember that the Drabblecast relies on the support of listeners just like yourself. If you enjoyed our story this week and the Drabblecast in general and want to help us keep going, go to Drabblecast.org and look for the support options at the top. You can donate once in any amount or sign up for an automated monthly subscription. We appreciate your support. Our show this week was brought to you by Bo Kyer, Abby Hilton, Jason Smith, Jason Cavella, Maria Dong, Jen Fisher, Tom Baker, the uncircumcised penis of a giant squid, Adam Pratt, Melissa Harvey, Sandra O'Dell, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you to hold on to the warmth. 
fall upon the funeral mourners Parading in a wake of sad relations As their shoes fill up with water
every five minutes. A transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.